Oh, it is such a joy, such a joy to join our voices again in praise to the Lord Jesus. Well, again, welcome. Welcome to our first outdoor in-person worship time together as Risen Hope Church. Uh, And we are aware that uh, there may be some here this morning or tuning in this afternoon on Facebook uh, who are guests uh, to us and with us. And we just want to make sure that we welcome you. Is there anyone here who's here for the first time? You heard about this somehow and showed up? Anybody? We want to. Okay. If you are, please see one of our ushers afterwards, and they will make sure you get a little bit of information about the church. And if you're uh, watching on the afternoon showing of this, please go to our website and let us know of your visit with us, uh, as that will uh, give us a record of that and will help us to know how we might uh, serve you and bless you as a church. In case anyone is wondering... uh, The rest of the pastoral team is not here uh, this morning. Uh, Rick uh, Butler is serving, preaching in our sister church in Marlton, Marlton, New Jersey, this morning. So be praying for Rick as he brings the word there. And uh, Alex is taken up with paternity leave right at the moment, which we figured we'd give him an excused absence uh, for the arrival of their new little one. Just by way of announcements, just one announcement, uh, there is a Global Missions Ministry Zoom meeting this Saturday at 10 o'clock. These are sweet times of uh, fellowship and prayer as we pray for our Global Mission partners. So you can email uh, Carrie Heisler at globalmissions at risenhopechurch.org, and she'll give you more details regarding that. We're not going to actually take up a physical offering here uh, this morning, uh, but we do want to remind you that uh, you are invited to give to the work of God that goes on in and through Risen Hope Church. You can go to our website to risenhopechurch.org, click on the giving tab there, and you'll find options for giving, or you can simply... uh, Put a a check in the mail and send it to the church office or even just drop it through the mail slot into the office, which is right behind me. Well, let's, let's go to prayer at this time. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for bringing us here together. It is good to be with the people of God. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Uh, There is... There are few, if any, experiences that are sweeter than the fellowship of and the the corporate worship of your people, O Lord. It It is a great joy to be here. Thank you for making it possible for us. Thank you for giving us a song to sing and a Savior to praise. Thank you for giving us blessing upon blessing in that's been pressed down and packed down and running over in our lives. Lord, you have been faithful. Lord, we want to ask you to bless the offering that we offer to you on this day, this sacrifice of praise. We pray that you will turn it into fruitfulness and blessing in many lives. 
And as we pray and as we think about the, the joy of being together, Lord, we are reminded that there are, there are believers, there are followers of Jesus all over the world today who are not able to meet together. They are persecuted. They are arrested. They are harassed. They are imprisoned. They need to meet in secret, if at all. Oh, Lord, would you please be with our brothers and sisters around the world? Please, Lord, would you watch over them and comfort them and strengthen them and give them courage, oh, Lord, as they face an, an external hostility from the world? And, Lord, at the same time, would you please be with us? Our, our peril is not persecution so much as it is prosperity. Our spiritual risk is not what others might do to us, but what things and possessions and money and the things that money buys could do to us. Lord Jesus, you said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because his heart is set on riches. Father, that means it's hard for us because we are most all of us, very rich, very wealthy. Would you please protect us from the perils of wealth and prosperity? And would you please, please set our hearts on you, set our hearts on Christ. Help us, Lord, even in these strange times and, and difficult times. Help us, Lord, to, to be a church that remains focused and on mission and Lord, never allow us to become comfortable or complacent, uh, but to be those who, day after day, wherever we go, proclaim Jesus and live for Jesus and love Jesus and love our neighbor and do justice and live life as you call us to. Lord, make us that kind of people, that kind of church. And now as we open your word, Lord, would you please speak to us and may the gospel preach to those hearing it right now, preach to those hearing it later. May this gospel have power for the salvation of many. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I wonder if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. As we draw near to the end of our long series in the Gospel of Matthew, we are offering a brief set of messages taken from Matthew 27 called, A Man of Sorrows. Thank you. A series of messages called A Man of Sorrows, borrowing that title, that descriptor that Isaiah the prophet used to describe the coming Messiah. 700 years before Jesus arrived, he called him a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In Matthew 27, we have an account of his most acute sorrows and deepest grief. In verse 45 of Matthew 27, we read, Now from the sixth hour, that's 12 o'clock noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. 
In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. I'm really grateful that as we return together this morning, we return to a text that is really at the heart and soul of what our faith is all about. This is a text about Jesus who died for us on the cross. And we are among those who would agree with Paul in Galatians 6. God forbid that we should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are we would agree with Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 that we have determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul says that this is of first importance. There is nothing more important than this, that Christ died for our sins. There is nothing more important than the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In our first message in this brief series in chapter 27, we simply read the entire text with very little comment. And then last week, you'll remember, we began looking at five specific sufferings that the man of sorrows endured. A trial without justice, a transfer without guilt, a travesty without restraint, a tree without shade, and now today, a trauma without equal. A trauma without equal. I think it is safe to say that the experience described in the text I just read is the most emotionally traumatic, it is the most severe trial that any person has ever Endured. There is none more excruciating. There is no experience more devoid of and empty of comfort. There is no experience so utterly alone and abandoned in its misery. And there's no experience more undeserved than that experienced by Jesus in this hour. And what I want us to do briefly is to consider two things about this experience. The trauma that he endured and then the willingness that he showed. The, will, the willingness that he showed. If I were to try to summarize what I think God wants to say to us this, after, this morning, it is this. Even though you and I, even though you and I have sinned against God, even though you and I have sinned against God badly and often, in love, he has made a way for us to be forgiven and not forsaken. Even though you and I have sinned against God badly and often, in love, he has made a way for us to be forgiven 
and not forsaken. There's two kinds of people. There's more than two, but there are two kinds that come to my mind this morning. Two kinds of people in the world. First, those who fool themselves into thinking that they have not sinned against God badly and often, and so they don't need his forgiveness. And then there are those who are so aware of how badly and often they have sinned against God that they do not believe that they can be forgiven. And I'm here to tell you this afternoon that even though you and I have sinned against God badly and often in love, he has made a way for us to be forgiven and not forsaken by him. And that way has been provided through the trauma and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the text as we notice the trauma that he endured in verse 45 from the sixth hour from 12 o'clock noon, which is about, let's say, 50 minutes from where we are right now, 12 o'clock noon. There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So imagine as we're sitting here that all of a sudden darkness just comes over the land, that the, the, the lights go out. And utter and complete darkness settles. This is, biblically speaking, a, a symbol and a, and a representation of judgment and fearfulness. What this means is that judgment is happening right now in our text. This is, this is a, a moment where punishment is happening. Fearful things are happening. Serious penalty and punishment for sin is happening. Darkness settles over the land. But this external darkness is, is really but an outward, an outward demonstration of something going on on the inside of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something expressed in verse 47. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here at, here at the end of the darkness, as it is about to pass, there is an agonizing, anguishing cry that pierces the darkness. And it registers a degree of suffering that's never before been experienced by any other person and never again. A sense of, an experience of the forsakenness of God his Father. I'm sure all of us know the experience of being forsaken. All of us have at least one person in our life that we loved, that we cared for, that we took care of, or that was a significant part of our life, but for one reason or another forsook us. They abandoned us. We, we all know that experience. But here the eternal Son of God, who had never known anything except the Father's presence and the Father's love and the Father's pleasure, was feeling abandoned by God in the very world that he had made. This was not a cry of doubt. This was not a cry of despair. This was not a cry of anger. It was a cry of anguish. It was a cry of grief. It was a lament. And what do the words mean? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, they do not mean that God stopped loving his son. They do not mean that 
the Son stopped being God. They do not mean that the Father was against the Son or was making the Son do something against His will. But they mean that in a very real sense, in a punishing sense, in a judicial sense, the debt of human sin was placed on the shoulders of Jesus. The penalty due to your sin and mine, your sins and mine, which have been very bad and very often. The debt of them all was placed on the shoulders of the eternal Son of God made flesh. And there he died a substitutionary death. That means he died in our place. He died in our stead. And the forsakenness, the judgment that was due to our sins was laid upon him. And he bore the Father's wrath over our sins in His body on the cross. You see, the problem with human sin is that it destroys us in a couple of different ways. It destroys us relationally. It, it destroys our relationships, our relationship with God and with one another. And it destroys us and impacts us legally. It, it puts over us a debt that we have to pay to God. The wages of sin is death. There is a debt that we owe to God that we cannot pay. And so someone had to come and be willing to pay that for us. And that is what's happening on the cross. That's what's happening as in the darkness of that hour. The Son is being forsaken in judgment by the Father, not as a consequence of his own actions, but as a consequence of your actions and my actions. It was our sin that nailed him there. It was our sin that nailed him there. He was forsaken because of our sin. This is, this is that one who... Isaiah saw hundreds of years before in the temple sitting on a throne and the angels were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The apostle John tells us that the glory that Isaiah saw was the glory of Jesus. This is, this is the one that Micah the prophet said his, his coming forth was from of old, even from ancient days. This is the one who, in the words of Paul, was always in the form of God and equal with God. This is the one that John said was in the beginning with God, as God, and who had always dwelt at the Father's side. John 1 and verse 18. That is the one who is now utterly forsaken forsaken by the Father all the way through to the moment where the very last drop of God's wrath had been drunk and drained from the cup so that Jesus could say, it is finished. It is finished. This is the trauma he endured. And let me just point out to you quickly the willingness he showed the willingness he showed. He did not do this under coercion. He did not do this under pressure. He did this by his own choice. 
He did this by his own will. If you look at the text, after a little bit more mockery, such as we saw last week by some of the onlookers in uh, verses 47 through 49, Jesus does something that reveals that all of this was done by his own voluntary will. He asserts his authority and his complete control over the moment of his own death. Look at, look at verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up. The word means he released. He let go of his spirit. He yielded up. He released. He let go of his spirit. Friends, his spirit wasn't taken from him. His spirit was given. It was, it was not so much that others took his life. He gave his life. It's not so much that others killed him as that he offered himself. He was not a victim. He was a volunteer. Not a victim. He was a volunteer. And if we look at the other Gospels, we learn that when he cried out with this loud voice and released his spirit, that there were two things that he actually said in that loud voice. It would appear almost one right after the other. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The idea there is that as soon as his work of redemption was done, he gave himself up in death. It's, the idea is that he kept himself alive until the debt was paid. And then he released his spirit. He was not a passive martyr. He was not a victim. He was a sovereign sacrifice, willing to give himself for us. In the words of Jesus over in John, he laid his own life down and took it up again. No one takes it from me, Jesus says. I lay it down of my own accord. Do you realize that the Son of God, who had enjoyed the Father's presence for all of eternity, voluntarily said to the Father, let me go to earth. Let me become one of them. Let me die in their place. Let me be forsaken so that they will not need to be forsaken by you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And you know what, friends? We can never hear that gospel too often. You're going to need that gospel later today. You're, you're going to need that gospel before you get home this morning. Because you're going to say something to your husband or your wife or your kids, or you're going to think something about the crazy driver that cut you off on the road, or you're going to think something by way of anger, by way of worry, by way of despair, and you're going to be reminded again that you sin badly and you sin often, and you're going to need the gospel all over again. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus was forsaken so that I would not need to be 
forsaken. Even though you and I have sinned against God badly and often in love, he has made a way for us to be forgiven and not forsaken. And you're going to need this gospel this week because there are going to be things that you face that are too big for you, things that you face that are going to uh, tempt you to doubt and fear, things that you're going to look at and say, I am not adequate for this. You're going to need the gospel then because the gospel is our guarantee. It is our guarantee that God will give us everything we need. You know, you know, right? Romans 8. And verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? Finish it for me. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now listen to the rest of the text. He who did not spare his own son. He who gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things. If God the Father has already given that which is most precious and most dear and most costly to him, his own son, then how will he not give you what you need, the little things, the everyday things of life in this coming week? The gospel is our assurance, our guarantee, not just of the forgiveness of our sins, but of the supply of God's grace from day to day to day. Today. And so, my brothers and sisters, this week live in the light of the gospel. Because of Christ, you are forgiven, not forsaken. And because of Christ, you will have all that you need throughout all of life. So, with the hymn writer, we, we say what? Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior, bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place. Condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless, we, spotless Lamb of God, was he full atonement. Can it be? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransomed home to bring, then anew this song will sing. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We are amazed at your love. We are amazed that you were willing freely, voluntarily, of your own accord to be forsaken that we might be forgiven. Oh, Lord Jesus. Fill our hearts with faith. Help us to live in the goodness and freedom and glory of the gospel. This good news that Christ died for us. And if anyone 
If anyone is hearing this message and these words who does not yet know Jesus, oh Lord, open their hearts. Show them that indeed they have sinned badly and often, but also show them that they need not fear you, that they may be forgiven and not forsaken if they will but trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. May this be a day of salvation for many, and may it be a day of restoration and strength and replenishment for us all. In Jesus' name, amen.